Hey, 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 what is up, Legendary Closers? Hey, real quick, what do you do when you're just not feeling the sale? Like, what do you do when your energy is there, but on the other end of the sale, your prospect, you're just not feeling it? We're going to talk about that today on today's episode. Welcome to Legendary Closers. John Ferguson here, and let's get started. Here's the real question. How do real closers like us, direct sales, telemarketers, and independents, who refuse to cheat, overpromise, or embellish, who don't rely on discounts and guarantees, but want to close more sales with less effort, how do we build massive incomes, yet at the same time, live life to the fullest? That is the mystery, and in this podcast, we'll uncover the secrets for today's market. My name is John Albert Ferguson, and welcome to Legendary Closer Radio. All right, everybody. So I wanted to kind of bring this one up because this had happened to me several times. And everybody knows you kind of get that gut feeling when you're in the sales process and you have some momentum going and then just something happens. The energy shifts or you kind of get that gut feeling that they're not paying attention to you anymore or that maybe something's a little off. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I remember going through closes where I kind of felt that way. And I was like, oh, dude, it's just personally my nerves. It's, you know, it's just me. And so I would just kind of go through the sale. I would continue through the process. And at the end, I'd be asking for the money or I'd be asking for the sale. And yeah, you know, it wouldn't go. They'd throw up some kind of excuse that I had handled through commitments. They had thrown up some kind of reason why they wanted to wait or that it just wasn't for them. Or they were saying no. But then they just wanted to hear the details, completely stroking me, right? And I just would feel like they were telling me anything that they wanted to just to get the information and then move on. Now, some people are like that, right? So some people just want details for the sake of details. Some people just want information for the sake of information. Some people will only spend so much money with the person you're selling for or for you. Like if you're the influencer or you're the closer, there are only so many people out there that are like that. And so it's not everybody. And so I would sit back and I'd be like, gosh, this is crushing me, right? And really all I wanted to do was I wanted to get people to stop stroking me. <laughs> I'd want people to stop just being info seekers and tire kickers. And how do I overcome that? And if it was me, what could I do about it? Like, how could I change the scenario or change the situation where I can uncover those types of people quickly and then say no to them, like literally boot them to the curb or... I can massage the process a little bit, find out what their concern was, and then handle that in a form of a commitment so that I could get them through it and then I can make the sale. So there's two things going on in my head and I was just getting so many of these challenges or these problems that I felt that were my fault, right? And all I wanted to do was just get a better job committing people and then eject the ones out that just did not belong, that were there for the information. Maybe they're fantasizing with the idea of getting the coaching, getting the training, attending the mastermind, going to the events, but really didn't have that firm intention, that commitment yet. They weren't prepared well enough to be to the next step. And so where was I breaking down where I could like eject that person out and then move into commitments with the other people who really wanted to be there, but I had to be a better in my process right? As a closer, we should be asking ourselves these questions. Like when we're failing in a certain way, when sale after sale after sale, like would do that, 
you have to find out, okay, what am I not doing right? How do I go back? Like you have to go back in your process to find out, oh, did I miss a step? Was this just that person? Was it a wrong of bad leads? And then how do I risk the sale? How do I absolutely risk the sale to test if what I'm feeling is right? And, and I mean that, risk the sale. Uh, we're going to talk about that today on the episode. I remember somebody saying that to me once. And they said, look, you got to risk the sale to get the sale. Sometimes you have to put the sale on its heels in order to get them to come forward to you. And that's kind of where I started to learn where chasing was probably the worst thing that you could do when it comes to a sale. Uh, That's where I came up with the concept of benefit bashing, trying to get somebody to go into the process like that. I mean, think about it. I mean, have you ever been in that situation? Like I know that in the beginning of my sales process, I have. And so let's find out kind of, you know, together. Let's work through this, right? Because it is something that happens to many salespeople. And, you know, the old guru tactics are using objection breakers or using closing lines to overcome some of that. And if you don't feel the energy there, you know, using too much humor or not enough humor can break the process as well. And I know that there's a lot of people out there talk about like loop the person back into energy, loop the person back into the conversation. Or if you take the conversation somewhere else, you got to bring that person back into the sale. Sure, you can do that. I just think you're guiding the the sales process in a way that is streamlined and you have to maintain your composure and your control. And I was failing at that. Like I had, I think in one day, three closes in a row that were like this. And it's not too often now that that happens, but in my past, it happened quite a bit. And I beat myself up about it. I'd be so upset. Like, dude, I know I could have got these people. Like they were so good. And then I just, for a while, I just didn't know why. Here's why. I want to explain it to you because one of the things I was coming up to is like, okay, what is it in the sales process? It's got to be the sales process. It's got to be what is laid out for me. It's got to be the scripts, right? The scripts aren't laid out properly or, you know, I'm not spending enough time on, you know, gathering information or I'm not spending enough time on building up the value. I'm not spending enough time on something. It's the process. The process is broken. And so I started blaming the process. And, you know, I started dissecting the process to find out what was broken, what was not broken, what was fixed. And I found where in the process I could handle this. Number two, it was inside. And I'll share that with you, I think, the process piece. And then I was looking at myself going like, was it me? Like, do I not have the energy? that these people can see that this works? Am I not bringing my juice? Man, I'm not bringing the power, right, to the close? Am I not not influential? What am I doing wrong? Like, I totally turned inward for a long time. And I was like, dude, look, it's got to be my failure. Like, if the process works, because I can see all these other closers doing it, and and really, you know, when when you're looking at other people, you don't know what they're doing outside of the exterior of what you're seeing unless you can sit there and listen to what they're saying. Right. So you really don't know if it's the process or the closer. I wanted to interject that right there. But for me at the time, when I was going through this, you know, about 16 years ago, I was like, crap, like, how am I going to overcome this? And then internally, I started to go, okay, well, this is my failure. You know, look at the processes there. Everyone kind of has the same scripts. And no, it's my failure. Like, I'm screwing up somewhere. I'm saying something that's causing the objection or I'm not getting them quote unquote, tied down. I'm not using a tie down close to get them tied into it. You know, so I started to think, okay, I need more training. I need more support. I need to go back to my books. I need to go back to my rehearsed closes 
and find one or two witty sayings I could say to make them laugh and then to go, okay, yeah, I get it, John. Like, you you got me, right? I was starting to think of those things. Like, what am I doing? And a lot of people probably feel that way. Like, I know um, when I talk to salespeople all the time when I get a chance to speak around the country is they say the same things. They just feel like they're spinning their wheels. And that was me. And I felt like I was spinning my wheels on this for the longest time. And, you know, then I was feeling like, you know, was it the benefits? Like, you know, when I make my offers and I'm coming with the details, is the juice not in the sale, like in the product or the service? Like, is it really not all that? And are they seeing that? Or are they sensing that? Right. You know, cause if it's not me, if it's not the process, then it's gotta be the product, right? The product must suck. And, or it's just like everyone else and our price is too high. Right. Or we're charging, you know, $25,000 when everybody else is charging 15. Right. Or am I presenting the value wrong? Am I not doing it right? So I'm spinning my wheels and going through all this and all these things I'm coming up against. Right. These are all the things I was going up against in my head with the process, with the benefits and features of whatever products and services I was going after. And I started going back through and testing this. It took me a good few months to really overcome this. And I, I bothered everybody on the floor. Like when I was talking to sell other salespeople when I was younger in my sales day, I wanted to know. I just sort of started asking questions. So I was like, dude, what about this? How about that? And, you know, uh, at the time they didn't understand what I was going through because they're like, well, I don't get those problems, John. And I'm like, okay, but why? Like, would you let me sit down and listen to you? So over the course of about 30 to 60 days, I was able to hear what was going on. I was able to understand what was going on in the process and what I could do better. And then ultimately what was going on in the environment. And it wasn't the benefits or the features that was causing these issues. And it was like lightning struck. It was like, boom, right? You ever had those epiphanies where you're like, booyah, you know, you're going to be like the hero. And like, you're like, you can't wait to get back on the phone. So you learn something new. And, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But when you really know that this is it, like this is the thing you know, and you cannot wait to get on the phones and you cannot wait to get in the sales situation. You cannot wait to get in that back of the room, front of the stage, on the telemarketing floor. You cannot wait to sit down with your prospect face to face. And that's just mind ninjutsu, you know, just get them right. And uh, I was pretty stoked when I actually felt this because I had been working on it, working on it for so long. And I want to share with you because I don't want you to have to go through the process. I don't want to have to go through months of discovery on how or, or what what I came up with, what it worked. And so this way you can start to implement it for yourself. But ultimately, in the process where I felt that it was broken, the process itself was fine. Okay. The sales process, and we have a very good linear sales process that takes someone from point A to point B, which is to the purchase. And we have some really well thought out designed copy within there. But what I found out was there was a place inside the sales process itself that wasn't pre-framing in the way that it should. And what I mean by pre-framing is we were not framing the sale in the way that it should be. We weren't framing their commitments in a way that got them firm on, yeah, we're serious about this. We're in it. We're putting ourselves in a position where we can make a decision. So that was the first thing that I had to fix within the process itself, within the scripting. And where we placed that had to be very strategic because if it was too late, then you know, you're just doing the same thing. You're spinning your wheels again. If it's too early, then you are causing another objection and a concern 
all in the same manner. And so we had to really place it well. The second thing was I learned myself, I had to start painting better pictures. And I'm going to talk about this in a later podcast episode, but I had to paint the vision better in a way that was tied to the client and into what their needs and their wants were. And so I actually came up with a method that helps me to paint the picture of what our client's needs and wants are in order to really tie that into them and, you know, framing the process better, having a very well thought out vision of how things work within the sales scripting itself tied to the marketing is very imperative and how that works. And then the last thing was the environment, the environment that I created to close them, the environment to make sure that they were in it with me, that they were positioned properly so that when they listened to the benefits, they saw the details, they understood the service, then they could really buy into it. And so if you do a really good job of those three things, it really helps you overcome that challenge, that stroker, right? And at the end of the day, we found in the vehicle pre-framing and the framing of the process, we pull a trigger, okay? We actually pull the cord out from underneath of anybody who is just looking around or just kind of wants the details or doing research. The individuals are really not committed. And so you will know, like I started to be able to, when we were talking to people and when we started training this, I tested this out. And so I gave my scripts to a few people that I was working with. This is before I started training closers. And I said, look, try this, try this, try this. And something miraculous really happened that at the end of the day, they were able to, lack of other words, kick to the curb procrastinators, okay? Looky lose the tire kicker, the person who just wanted information for information's sake so they could feel good that they started the process. They know how much the product and service costs. We didn't have to go through the details. We were able to eject them out within like the first five to eight minutes of every sales presentation. So we didn't spend hours or even days sometimes with those people who just weren't a good fit. Now, is that a bad thing? No, it's not. Like, I mean, we know, we, we, you know, you've got to, you know, talk to and present your offer to people who want your product, who have a need for your product, and they can actually have the ability to buy it. Those three things are innate to sales. Like, there's not one guru out there can really teach anything new to that. that all of us know that. I'm not teaching you something special. We all know those three things. But when it comes down to where we get the buy-in, the understanding so that we can determine if we're about to waste our time or if we're actually working with someone who's ready, that changed everything in the sales process. And so when I teach that to teams around the country and when I'm, I have an opportunity to speak and the call centers that we've worked on and the back of the room sales speakers and the network marketers, they go bonkers for this because it's not anything they've ever learned because they're typically, you know, relationship networkers who have got their buddies and friends there. But all of these different demographics, I've tested this on and I wanted to have some feedback. In each instance, the cool thing is, is one, they're not wasting time on people that are just going to stroke them who aren't going to buy. And number two, they're not annoying people, especially friends or good clients who may have a level of product. They're not creating a bad situation when the influencer or the guru or the subject matter expert sees they've got a really good professional closer who knows their stuff and uses this skill set, this, this process, boom, forget about it, right? So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day now, what we get and the results that I see, I'm able to actually sit down with somebody within a few minutes and be able to determine if they are ready to take action, if they really are ready to invest not only in themselves, but in their product, 
and pay the money for it. At the end of the day, we only make money when we trade money, guys, of value for value. And you know, if you're providing massive value for someone at a discount, you should get paid for that, right? And so at the end of the day, I don't have to worry about that. Now I'm able to either remove and eject somebody out of the sales process faster without wasting my time so I can get to the people who are ready, or I can help really frame the process for those who are even on the fence, but they are willing to go through and accomplish and acquire what they want because they know that they need it. So I don't have to eject those people, but now I know, now I've got a gauge, now I've got a a litmus test, so to speak, to find and work with those people. And when you do that, when you get to that level of quote unquote legendary status, legendary closer, you can pretty much write your own ticket. You can write your own path into whatever sales situation you want, whether that's selling your own products, whether that's selling for somebody else, whether that's your greatest network marketing industry, whether that's being a freelance closer and you're closing sales for two or three other influencers online or offline or in the back of the room or seminar speaker, it will not matter because you will be known in the industry as somebody that has those abilities. And that's why we do this podcast. We want to give that to you. You know, if you're not a part of the Legendary Closers Facebook group, you need to be. We have some phenomenal people in there, great closers, individuals looking to build relationships long-term and help each other grow. We're able to leverage these skill sets. And I go through in-depth and answer questions in there from the podcast. And we're able to help level each other's skills up inside that group. And so I wanted it to be a community where it is authentic and it is excellent place to be where you can actually strive for excellence and feel confident in there that you're getting the tools you need from proven successful closers and not just benefit bashers, old school stuff that you find a lot of the other groups. And we keep the spam out. You'll probably realize I keep the number of people that are in the group currently down low because we want to make sure we're finding the right people. And you guys listening to this, you're the right people. And if you're a part of the group, we're going to give you something for free. It's in the group. We're going to give that to you. So I just want to again say thank you for being a part of the podcast and for listening. And I, I really hope that these things are resonating with you. They're helping you to change your world as a salesperson, as a closer, and that you are also able to level up your business because of it and the business of the people that you serve and the clients that you're serving. That's the biggest thing that I want to see for this podcast is that's why we deliver this information. That's why we record these episodes. That's why we invest so much time and energy and money on these episodes to make sure that we can do something different in a way that makes everyone better. But again, guys, if you like the podcast, please share it. Please like it. Please subscribe. Get those notifications out there. And if you want to be on the podcast, go to legendaryclosradio.com and you can uh, throw me over a question on the uh, little messenger there. I'll get it. If we play the video or the audio on the podcast, I'll do a 15-minute coaching session with you absolutely for free around whatever topic sales you have. I would love to support you. Anyways, guys, have a fantastic legendary day. So if you're just starting out, you're probably studying a lot, and that's a good thing. You're probably digging into all the methods to close, right? Well, that's also good. But the hardest part is figuring out how to close without causing objections. You know, the ones that you have to handle before they'll give you their cash, right? That's also what I struggled with for a while. It actually made me quite furious until I learned this simple template. So I created a special training to help you out. It's called Sales Inception Questions, or just Sick Fury for short. This will get you on track with the right questions and more importantly, the right sales conversation to lead you to the prospect's secret buying triggers. Want to have it? It's a very powerful way to let you in on unlocking the secrets to close your prospects with ease. I'm only giving it away for a short time period before I lock it back up into our main training. But you can get access to it at 
sickfury.com forward slash free. That's S-I-Q-F-U-R-Y dot com forward slash free. We'll see you on the inside. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the podcast if this is adding value to your life. 